You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast. How Kiera went from broke and living in her car to building a six-figure portfolio and living internationally so she could pay off debt and live her best life. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. I am always excited to talk to you every single week. Every Wednesday morning, we drop a new episode. And I especially love bringing you episodes like this. And you'll hear more about it. So I don't want to give too much away. But I was contacted by Kira, who you'll hear, obviously, in the conversation that we'll have. She emailed me. And you'll hear when I talk to her that, you know, I get a lot of emails now, people who want to be on the podcast. And for me, it's not just as simple as just paying off debt, because I think that's amazing. Obviously, that's what I want all of us to do is get out of debt, make more money and all the things. But it takes a lot more for like me to want to extend an invitation to the platform to journey to launch to other journeys than just like a debt payoff story. Like I'm always looking for more. I'm looking for those, those, th- those nuggets or those things that I'm like, wow, like this, it's like not just a debt payoff story. This is a story of redemption. This is a story of grit. And you'll hear why I am like, I just immediately after a couple emails back and forth, I was like, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show, Kiara, because her story is absolutely amazing and fascinating. And I need more people to hear about how she did what she did, how she went from literally being broke, not earning much money at all, living in her car at one point, having her car repossessed to where she is now, which is earning a lot more money than she ever thought she could living abroad. And is just, I mean, her life is just, it's turned around. And I feel like This is the possibility for all of us, for you listening. You can do this. And sometimes it does take hearing how someone else did it. Someone who started maybe where you are or had less or even had more, but really seeing how this stuff is possible. So I'm really excited to share Kiara's story. You'll find more about Kiara as she talks and where you can contact her. But if you want the episode show notes, so this is episode 131. So if you listen to this in real time, this comes out on December 18th. It's episode 131. So you're probably maybe getting ready for Christmas if you celebrate Christmas and it's the holiday season. So hopefully you make it, you're still making time for the Journey to Launch podcast. I really think this is like literally a gift that you can give yourself a free gift at that, right? Can you imagine this podcast? If you think about it, guys, this podcast, what you get every week is free for you to consume, right? It is free and it is my gift to you. It is really um, one of the things that I am most proud of when it comes to Journey to Launch is that I feel like I really like put a lot of work into this podcast and making sure it is of use and benefit to you. So I hope you get that every time you listen, that you get something from it. So if you want the episode show notes, so anything like maybe Kiara mentioned, she mentioned a couple articles that she's written or just some things, you can go to Journey to Launch dot com slash episode 131 as always screenshot like that you're listening tag me on social media so i'm on instagram twitter and facebook at journey to launch post it in your stories post it on your feed just post some 
takeaways or things that you're just like, wow. And then after you do that, I need you to like think about your next step. So I love that you get inspiration, but like, what's your next step? What are you going to do after you listen, right? Um, hopefully one of the things is making sure you're subscribed to my podcast <laughs> and then also come to journeytolaunch.com slash join, get on my newsletter list. I send out um, a weekly newsletter. I promise it's not like too annoying. It's just <laughs> telling you an update what's going on with the podcast and me, but really that's where you get to get all the up-to-date information about what's going on and you keep in the know. And I announce things there first. So anything that I'm working on, like some new projects that I'm gonna be excited to share with you soon, all that literally kind of usually goes to the newsletter first. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash join to make sure you are part of the newsletter. Now, without further ado, let's just hop into this Amazing conversation with Kiara. Okay, Journeyers, I'm really excited to have on today's guest because Kiara, you sent me an email and, you know, I get a lot of requests nowadays for people to come on the podcast and very selective about who like I have on the show, very protective of my journeyers and something about your email just stood out. You know, we didn't know each other from anywhere, but you did a good job just capturing my attention and then really stating the value you could provide just by telling your own story. And I was so intrigued because after I kind of like clicked on your blog and you didn't have too many articles, but it you did capture kind of like the essence of what you were doing. And so I just want to like list out some amazing things you've been able to do. So you paid off $49,000 of student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Uh, You increase your salary. I forgot how much you said, but like by a lot. Um, You live rent free for four years. Mm -hmm. You had your MBA paid for or in in Croatia, I think it was. A job in (laughs) Afghanistan. And I think you're like overseas somewhere now because you just told me it was like 3 a.m. where you are. So I'm like, yes, I'm in Croatia right now. Wow. (laughs) And so I'm just like, who is this lady? So I'm so excited. And you're on the path, like you're intentionally on the path to financial independence. Yeah, and your husband technically could pull that trigger. And there's a lot of reasons why you're not right now, but I just want to get into all of it. So I'm excited. Let's do it. (laughs) So thank you for being here and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Yeah. So, okay. I want to know kind of what led you to financial independence, right? Because Mm -hmm. we all kind of, everyone kind of, when they find out what this is, it usually starts from like one thing or one person or a blog or article. Mm-hmm. So what was that for you um, to figure out what this was? So uh, believe it or not, my person was Tim Ferriss. Now I read his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And even though he's not a part of, I wouldn't call him a part of the FIRE movement, but once I read his book and I started doing you know, research on the topics of like lifestyle design, everyone who was anyone in the fire movement started popping up like Mr. Money Mustache and Mad Scientist. And I became obsessed with those guys. And I became obsessed with their, you know, with their idea of retiring early. And that's pretty much how it started. It started with Tim, my baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I have a similar, I mean, it wasn't Tim, like, I think the first thing was radical personal finance with Joshua Sheets. Well, actually, it was Mad Scientist. Then I found Joshua Sheets' podcast, Radical Personal Finance. Then mm-hmm. during that time too, it was Mr. Money Mustache. Right. And, you know, they're 
bunch of great sources and they interviewed and had like great guests on. And I was like, well, these are all like white men, which was fine. I'm the kind of person who can learn honestly from anyone. Right. Mm. Like I don't have to look like that person. I, I don't even have to have the same experiences. I can always draw on just inspiration from anything. Right. And I started to think to myself, like, but there needs to be like another type of voice here. So I feel like um, it's so crazy that like those names pop up. Uh, but I think like, hopefully, I don't know, this may be a little self-serving, but one day I want people to be like, I first heard about it through Jamila, like the yes. person that looked like me and just like who was more diverse, um, bringing more diverse voices on. And maybe you too, right? Someone that yes, I, exactly. I thought about Kiera and her story and I was like, this has to be something I can do. So yes. let's talk about, so how long ago was this? You stumbling upon um, this stuff? I would say back in 2015. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to, I'm like, trying to pinpoint. I'm trying to pinpoint, you know, between like RBB and like epiphany right, right. moment. <laughs> so, well, so we can go back, right? So you found out about this in about 2015, but your journey, your financial journey, like all of us, we're all on a journey, whether we like know it or not. Right. But you've mm-hmm. been on a journey that puts you and sets you up to be able to take and receive this information that you learned like these fire concepts and retiring early and investing way before then. So I guess let's talk yes. about RBB. So what does RBB stand for? Because that was also like you just mentioned a, a turning point for you and your finances. Right. So RBB was a term I used in an article and it stood for rock bottom broke because that's what I was. I was rock bottom broke. I was depressed. I was homeless. I had 89 cents in my bank account. <laughs> so wow. that's why I call it RBB. It was a very um, low moment for me. And it was right after graduation, right after graduating with my degree, my bachelor's degree in international relations, I realized that I could not have gotten a degree in a more broad <laughs> um, field. <laughs> And so after graduation, I'm like, okay, you have a degree in international relations. What are you going to do, sis? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just no, I had no direction, you know? And I think that was what, that was like the moment where I realized that I needed to do something, right? I needed to make a move. Right, right. So that move was quitting my job and moving to Maryland with a friend to sleep on her couch until I figured it out. (laughs) So what made you quit your job? So you did have a job when you graduated, but it just wasn't something you wanted to like do or it wasn't something that was Mm. sustainable. So no, this job that I had when I this job I had when I graduated was the job that I had throughout my college career, which was sir. I was a server. I was a waitress. It's great money, but it's not for me. It wasn't a career. and. I knew that I wanted to do more and I wanted to get out of Pittsburgh. So I I needed a change of scenery because I think that was also a part of the reason why I was so depressed. I did not like my environment. I felt like I was a sort of a big fish in a small pond, so to speak. Mm. And I just needed to break out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you moved to, you said Maryland? I moved to Maryland first just to get away, just to start. Right. Um, And then from there, I ended up having to move in with with my father in uh, in Atlanta. And that's like where my really, really low point was, because that was around the time when they repossessed my car. 
Okay. So did, so you weren't, and you had debt, right? So you had student loan debt at this mm-hmm. point. You yes, I had student finance. loan debt, car debt, credit card debt. Girl, I had all the debt, all of it. Wow. <laughs> and so, and this was um, how many years ago? This was back in 2000. So it began in 2013. Right. 2013 is when you um were like rock broke. How do you say RBB? Rock bottom. Yeah, a rock bottom broke. Yeah, 2013 was when I was rock bottom broke. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, hitting on that, getting your car repossessed. Uh, were you working at the moment, or how? Okay. So, what then started to turn things around? What was that epiphany? Like, okay, because some people hit that and they stay there. What made? What What caused you to turn things around, and how did you do that? Because it wasn't me. It just was not naturally who I was to sit there and just cry about it every day. And I was actually so embarrassed with myself. I would, I would be like, what are you doing? I would look in the mirror and just be like, what are you doing? Why are you here? You are such an independent woman. You're the same woman who was working 60 hours a week and taking 18 credits in college. This is the woman you are. So once I realized that, but then I also realized, okay, but you have no money and they're coming to get this car. What are you going to do? And I think it was the day before they came to get the car, I found out about the mass interview event that Norwegian Cruise Line was having in Atlanta. And I went that day. I went to their mass interview event and learned about their positions on working on the cruise ship. And when I tell you, I don't even know how it came about. I guess God was just like, I'm going to need to drop a blessing on you real quick (laughs) so that you can get out of this rut. And that's pretty much what happened. I went to that interview. I think it was less than a week later. I found out that I uh, that I got the job and they were going to pay for everything moving forward. I'm talking about uh, pay for me to get to the training, pay for my credentials, everything that I needed. I didn't have to come out of pocket. And it was a blessing because I had no money. <laughs> right. Right. So what job did you apply for? Now I'm just like intrigued about this whole like cruise line um, living in <laughs> life. So, cause I've been on a few cruises and yes. like, so what did you like sign up for? Did you know, like, how does that process work? Did you know exactly what you were um, interviewing for or did they place you somewhere? Yeah. So the, the jobs that they were interviewing for were like a uh, stateroom steward, a uh, junior waiter, uh, restaurant steward, things like that. Utility galley, which is like janitor and then like uh, laundry, working in the laundry department. And those were the type of uh, jobs they were interviewing for. Um, so I obviously had the experience in serving and I applied for that position uh, as a server and ended up getting that. And, <laughs> and it was... That was such an experience. If you wow. want me to talk about that, I will talk about my well, experience. I feel like we might need a whole nother episode just on that type of life. So we, just for a little bit, because I feel like this is intriguing because this is obviously was a great stepping stone for you. So maybe it was. possible for others. So is mm-hmm. when, how long were you on the cruise ship? How was that life like? Because the whole time you'd have to pay for any living expenses, right? That's right. So I was uh, working on the cruise ship for a year and a half. While during that time, I was I started off as a server. I think it was after my first contract because it's five months on, five weeks off. So my second contract, that's when I started working as a sales associate in the uh, the store that that we had on the gift shop on the ship. So I had those two jobs while I was working on the cruise ship and it was free room 
free board, free laundry, $4 wine uh, <laughs> in the <laughs> Um, it was an opportunity to travel around the Hawaiian islands and it was an amazing experience, but it was also the hardest work. I think, I don't, I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life. Really? So was the sales associate job a step up from server? Like, did you get paid more to do that? Or it was kind of like same kind of no. level? Actually, no, I, I made so much more money as a server, but the lifestyle was so much harder harder. And mm-hmm. so, and what I mean by that is as a server, you're working seven days a week and you're working about like anywhere from 10 to 12 hour shifts per day. Wow. I was averaging, I think my first week on the ship, I worked 80 hours. The pain in my feet alone made me want to walk off the ship. And it, and actually that's what happened. A lot of people jump ship two weeks in because they couldn't take the intensity of the work. It's manual labor, basically. Mm. But I was grinding. I had no right. choice. Well, do so. Do you, can you share like how much like the pay was? Like, was this yeah. like, a, yeah. So the servers made, um, I think it was nine. When I was, when I was working there, it was nine twenty five an hour plus the tips. Right. Yeah. So this was way more than what I was making as a server stateside because that was 283 an hour. I think the minimum wage for a server in Pittsburgh was 283. And then you, then your tips make up for the rest. Right. But on the ship, they're not allowed to pay you like that. They have to pay you a regular, you know, hourly salary and then still give you your tips. So I made, it was about, I would say $2,200 a month total. So with that, because now you still have debt, you still have, you were, you were in a lot of credit card debt too. I was in some credit card debt. Yes. So what was your focus on the ship? Was it primarily just using that money to pay off debt or what were you doing? My focus was the credit card debt. Honestly, mm-hmm. I deferred, I deferred the um, student loan payments and my focus was paying down that credit card debt because I was doing so well with, you know, managing my credit cards because my mom had taught me how to do that. And I was, I was doing really well up until a certain point. And then it just all went to crap. Like, I I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pay that down because that's what I felt, I guess, the most embarrassment for Like I felt so embarrassed to have let it get that bad. So I I started focusing on that. And then my whole reason behind taking that huge pay cut and, and going into the sales associate I was because I wanted to stay longer on the ship and I didn't think that I would be able to stay longer in the uh, as a position. server. It right. was just it was just too much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you spent a year and a half on the ship. Mm-hmm. How much of a dent did you make with your debt? And then like what was the plan after that, right? Like what did you what was your next step and why did you make that next step? Okay, so right, this is good. So a couple I paid off two credit cards and my plan was to get my cert- certification in TESOL, teach English to speakers of other languages, right? My plan was to get that certificate online, apply to the English program in Korea. And once I completed my third contract, leave for, for Korea. And that's exactly what happened. I, I got my certificate in, in, in TESOL. I applied to the EPIC program. I was accepted into that program. The moment that I completed my con- my third contract with NCL, 
I went back to Atlanta to get all of my visa paperwork and I left for Korea to teach English in Korea. Okay. Wow. And so you want, why did you want that? Cause you just, you, you I feel like, cause you had, a, um, your major was international studies. Did you just have an affinity and love for travel? And so this was helping extend that working in Korea. Um, I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so when I was doing my research on jobs that I could get with an international relations uh, degree, I don't know why uh, teaching English abroad popped up and even appealed to me. But I guess it was because I had this like this extreme love for travel. And um, I was I was thinking, okay, maybe this is not going to be something that I do super long term, but at least it can get me abroad. It can get me out there in the world so that I can network and figure things out as I go along. And that was my my thought process back then. I wasn't going into uh, this situation thinking, okay, I found a career. I was just thinking this is the first step. Right. This is the next step that makes sense for me. So yes. You went to Korea, um, and what what was that like, and what were you able to do in that time frame? Um, Korea was great. I, I can <laughs> honestly say, I, now I want to go back now that I'm in a much better place financially because I feel like I could enjoy myself so much more over there now. But what what I really loved about Korea is that it was the total package, right? Just like on the cruise ship, they offered a free room, free board. My, not free free board. I would say that free lunch at school, but that, <laughs> but it was uh, they give you a, a a stipend once you get there to get set up, and they it was free healthcare. I mean, there were so many there were so many perks. I think they gave you a bonus if you stayed. It was there were so many perks to going there and and studying. I mean, and uh, teaching English there. And with the with the certi- uh, certificate I had. I didn't feel like I was ready to take on the world with teaching, but I felt confident enough that I could do what what the job was there, which was be a guest English teacher and teach conversational English to elementary, middle and high school students. And I I did a really great job and I was proud of myself. And I I kind of felt like, okay, I'm developing, I'm finding myself. And that was a really good period for me because I started uh, reading a lot of personal development books like the Miracle Morning. Mm-hmm. And when I started uh, designing my Miracle Morning, I saw myself being more productive and I wrote a book and I was just, I was doing my thing over there. <laughs> right. And this is about the, so how are you with your finances at this point? Did you find Tim Ferriss yet or were you into financial independence or this was mm-hmm. before that and you were still working on paying off debt? Yeah, so I had already found uh, I had already found Tim Ferriss. I had already found a uh, mad scientist, Mr. Money Mustache, and all of those people that I mentioned to you before. So I had been reading their blogs um, and their books and everything by that time. And so where I was, I was still kind of living paycheck to paycheck a little bit because this was around the time that I tried to start paying uh, down the rest of the credit card debt, and then. Once I got rid of that that credit card debt, it was time to start tackling the the student loans. But when I went to get those student loans rolling in, because I told you I had sentiment and deferment. Mm. But when I went to uh, get those student loans rolling in, it was like four hundred or five hundred dollars a month. So I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, putting that back in deferment till I figure something. <laughs> 
Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's so horrible. I don't, I, it sounds, it's embarrassing to say, but that's what I did. I put uh-huh. it back into deferment. Mm-hmm. You're like, not today, student loan. Not okay. today. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's when I read the book, um, Get Rich Teaching English. And I know that sounds really gimmicky, but it was a great book because what it did was it led me to the person who would be responsible for the huge salary increase that that you were uh, mentioning earlier. So I read the book and I reached out to the author of that book and we became pen pals. To this day, we are pen pals. We have sent maybe a thousand (laughs) emails and messages (laughs) over the course of the last uh, three years. And it's just been crazy. But he introduced me to the program manager for the program that I ended up working for in Afghanistan. And I sent my resume to her, end up interviewing with her and uh, five other people because it was a long interview process and got that job. And I went from making $31,000 a year to making $182,000 a year. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So first of all, (laughs) it sounds like you need to probably have a course on e- like reaching out to people because you got me, <laughs> you got me who I get tons of emails <laughs> and you got me to be like, who is this girl? <laughs> and you, uh, you did that with this author, which <laughs> so you have a skill there. I would tell you that you have a skill. Like, Thank you. you teach it to a lot of people who don't know how to contact. And, like, I have to write that down as one of the skills that I need Seriously, to- like these, these are receipts, like networking. <laughs> Yes. Like, you know, okay. So I'm just, all right. Like you have to break this down for me. So here's also a thing I'm noticing about your story. Like I love just pulling things out that I noticed. And sometimes we're doing things and we're like, this is not like, this is not your ultimate end point. You kind of know that, but you're just doing Mm -hmm. it. And so it's, it sounds like every step, like most people, this is everyone, even you listening right now, everything you're doing right now is leading you and is preparing you for the next thing. Even if you don't like it, if it's like not great situation, it's Mm -hmm. preparing you to, to deal with and to handle the next step. Because look at what you said. You said you were a server working how many hours while going to school. So Mm -hmm. it allowed you to prepare and to be able to navigate like that kind of stressful and like uh, managing timelines and all that stuff, which Mm -hmm. prepares you to deal with the cruise ship and then dealing with then teaching abroad in like Korea. But then Mm -hmm. I'm thinking too, the other thing that stands out to me about you is just your audacity to like believe why not you? Because so many people have thoughts like, oh, I should email, I should reach out. You're like, oh, this person's like, you know, they will never respond, whatever that thought is, but Mm -hmm. you do it anyway. And so reach out to an author that you admired and the email worked in which now then you became pen pals. (laughs) They were able to connect you with someone who got you from how much? So you were making... I was making $31,000 as a teacher in Korea, 31,000. And then eventually, so now you make about 180. Not now when I was working. That's when you started doing that. Okay. So let's talk about what this is. So the book in case people, and I'll do the episode show notes where we'll link what that book is in case people are interested in learning or seeing what that is, but Mm -hmm. get rich teaching English. So what was this opportunity and what was this job that you were able to just like so this, okay, so the book was, uh, you know, all about how to land the type of teaching contracts that pay obviously more than the Japan contracts and the Epic contracts and, you know, the 
the, the typical English teaching contracts that you come across. He was talking about taking advantage of contracts that nobody wanted. I'm talking like working in obscure places in Africa, working in Iraq and Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia. These were the places where he has taught English and he was able to retire as a millionaire at the age of 36, 35, I believe. Yeah, 35. And obviously he took the money that he had made from teaching English and invested in real estate and all that stuff. And that's what made you know his portfolio. But he was talking about all of this in the book. And all I wanted to do was say, you know, thank you for opening my eyes to um, these opportunities because I didn't know about them because these are not the type of teaching contracts they post on Dave's ESL Cafe. Mm. <laughs> I was just not going to find these type of uh, opportunities. I was just trying to say thank you to him. And we ended up, you know, becoming friends. And it was a very casual thing. The person who was the program manager for this new program in Afghanistan was just talking to him as a friend, telling him, oh, I'm looking for teachers. He, She needed female teachers for this particular program. And he mentioned it to me just in a very casual way. He didn't even think I'd be interested because it was in Afghanistan. You know, I'll do it. he's like, you know, it's a war zone. It's not what you think. He started, he started telling me all the, you know, cons about it. I'm like, you know, I read your book, right? I know exactly what it's like over there. And he was like, are you sure you want to do it? I'm like, why not? I'm like, if I don't do it, someone else will. Mm. And so I ended up, he gave me her email address and I sent her my, my resume. And that's what started um, the process of me getting hired for the program there. Okay. And so you eventually did get the position. What was that like? Right. Cause at this time, what year was this? This is in a war zone, as you said, cause a lot of people would say like, just not even knowing it just based on media and just like the risk, like, Oh, I, that's not worth it. The more money is not worth my safety. So I would love to hear what that was like for you. And like, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll be real with you. My friend, this guy, the, the, the guy who, um, I read his book and everything. So white guy. Right. And I'm noticing that he's making all this money you teaching English with these contracts and they, a lot of the times it's white straight men who are, who have these opportunities and they stay quiet about them. So no one really knows about them, about these opportunities. And so I thought to myself, and I'll be honest, this is just the main, the, the, the mindset I was in. I thought to myself, I'm like, these are the kind of guys that are getting this, these jobs and making bank and no one who looks like me, you know, and is, is taking advantage of these opportunities. And I'm like, I'm not about to be <laughs> the only one not at the table eating. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I was like, if he can do it, he survived it. He was in worse, worse places under worse conditions than what this contract is offering. And that was really how I rationalized it in my mind, because he worked under some really stressful conditions in some of the places where he taught English. And this was not that. Yeah, it was a war zone. And yes, I would be working um, on a military base and I wouldn't be able to leave or go outside that base, but I would be protected by special forces, whether it was American special forces or Croatian special forces or wherever, I was going to be protected when I went to work. That was how, how I was thinking about it. 
Now, mind you, when I told my mom, she's like, you know what, Kia, I'm giving you to God. I can't. <laughs> she was like, listen, oh my, yeah, I can imagine my kids like, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, but no, okay. Her, Mommy, I'm going to, I'm going to Afghanistan. Right. Okay. <laughs> so hyperventilating. Cause I told her while she was running on the treadmill and she started <laughs> hyperventilating and had to like turn the treadmill off. It was so dramatic and just ridiculous, but oh yeah. my gosh. So what was it like when you got there? Like what, who were you teaching? I mean, any of this top secret or can you say, like, say what you did? And I, who you I won't, I won't mention like the name of the company and the program. Right. I mean, if people reach out to me directly, I'll talk to them about it freely. I'm just not going to say. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fine. Because yeah, there's a lot. It's a defense contracting company. So Mm. there's just, you know, I don't want to. No, no, that's fine. But okay, can you set the scene on what that was like? So you were teaching English to the soldiers or to students? Like- yes. So I, okay, so I was a part of a program that was tasked with teaching English to the Afghan women who served in the Afghan National Army. Um, okay. And they served in different capacities. Some of them were in the Air Force. Some of them were in the police academy. And, you know, some of them uh, were admin. Some of them were doctors, nurses, et cetera. So that, that, that's who I was tasked with teaching. And it was a brand new program. Obviously, you know, maybe you're familiar that the, the female rights in Afghanistan are, are not the best, obviously. That's an mm-hmm. understatement. So it was really a big deal to be able to teach these women. And yeah. they needed to know English so that they could be trained for their actual job, right, um, by the NATO forces, mm-hmm. um, the NATO forces were, were tasked with teaching these women the various aspects of their jobs. But in order to learn that, they first had to learn English. And so that's why we were there. So over there, I was living on a military compound, a military base. I was not allowed to go off the base. I had free room, free board. Um, I wore a uniform, so there was really no need for nice clothes and shoes. You know, it's Afghanistan, no need to floss. Right? right. So that saved me a lot of money. But when I first got the job, I got um I was being paid one fifty nine. Four months in, I was promoted to team lead, and that's when my salary jumped from one fifty nine to one eighty two. Mm-hmm. And so that changed things. And when I first got the job and this was in two thousand seventeen towards the end of the year. So around August, all I could think of was max out this, max out the 401k, max out the 401k because they were offering, I think it was a 5% match. Mm-hmm. So, but I wanted to max out the whole thing, 18,000, yep. you know, I, I maxed out the whole thing by the end of the year because that's how much I was making so much. I was like, why not just put it in there. So that was my focus. It wasn't even getting my student loans paid off at the, at first. So I told myself I, w- I would wait to January of 2018 to start paying off my student loans because then I would already have contributed uh, for 2017. I could start paying off the student loan debt in 2018 and in mid mid 2018, I can start contributing for the 401k again. So I had a system. I had a plan like, you know, I was strategizing. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes uh-huh, to stuff like uh-huh. that. I don't want to get into the nitty gritties of it because we could be here all day. But <laughs> but that's what I was doing. I had a plan moving forward. So, OK, <laughs> you started um, you maxed out your 401k. You're making all this money. So and this because it's a you, I'm assuming U.S. based kind of company or you still had to pay like taxes or like since you're 
residency was or you yeah, were a US so citizen? the key was staying out of the US for three for at least 330 days out of a calendar year. So in order to get the tax benefit, the tax benefit was if I stayed out of the, the US for 330 days out of the year, I would be able to be tax exempt for the first $105,000 that I made. And then I would be taxed at the regular rate for anything above that. And then I switched my res- my state of residence. Yeah, I switched that to a state that had no state taxes, which was Washington. Mm. And so I wouldn't have to pay the state tax, right? And I would only have to pay the federal tax on the, let's say, Difference the, the, the yeah. rest of the money, the 75000 or whatever. Right. And right. so I was, I was trying to basically find any tax hack I could. And a lot of people, it was, it was so strange to me. So many people over there were not taking advantage, advantage of it. They were going home during their vacations. They were going back to the U.S. But I was like, you know, babe, let's go to Czech Republic. Let's go to Romania. <laughs> let's go to, you know, right. I was like anywhere but the U.S. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to make sure that I didn't reach that 35-day threshold. Because that's a lot of money. That's like throwing yeah. away money. Yeah. Okay. So, and you just mentioned, so did, were you, um, you're married now, but did you meet your partner overseas? And is he mm-hmm. in the same type of work? So, yeah, I met my partner at the orientation uh, really? for <laughs> for the job for uh, Afghanistan. He was going as, we both were, uh, we both were training and development specialists, but he was going to be teaching explosive ordnance disposal, like how to dispose Find, disable, uh, disarm, and dispose of bombs. Basically. Oh my gosh! <laughs> He's teaching a completely different thing. Yeah. I was going to be teaching English. We met in uh, El Paso, Texas, for during the training, and he swept me off my feet. Uh huh. So wow. And so we were both making that six-figure salary. It was kind of perfect. But um, I told him that I didn't want to get married until I paid off my student loan debt. I was like determined to be debt free. Mm. And so, yeah, I spent the the first beginning of 2018 paying off that $49,000 of student loan debt So from January to May. Mm -hmm. In terms of your financial independence journey, right? So... Mm -hmm. You were able to start maxing out your some the 401k. Did you start also investing in other areas? Like how did you, and then is he on board too with this plan? So is he good, like mm-hmm. doing the same thing on his end? So therefore like together, like that's how you're able mm-hmm. to do so much. Right. So my husband is, a, he's an extreme minimalist. Um, I think the minimalists would love him and they would like all get along just, <laughs> just fine. Um, he's a minimalist. So when I met him, he already, he didn't have any debt. Um, he had paid for his bachelor's uh, in cash. Well, he also had help from the GI bill, but he didn't have any credit card debt and he had savings and he hadn't contributed to 401 case in the past and everything like that. So he was already, you know, in a really good place financially when I met him. And I kind of felt like I needed to get there too, in order to be with him, mm-hmm. I guess. Even though he didn't, he didn't make me feel like that at all. But I was just like, I am not going to be that girl who's coming into the relationship with like absolutely nothing to offer. Right. So I I wanted to get 
on the same level as him. And we talked about money a lot. And I know a lot of people don't don't talk about this, especially in the beginning of a relationship, but everything moved really fast for us. So we were always talking about money and our goals. He read my book about retiring every other year. So he knew my um, he knew my stance on when it came to financial independence, retire early and all that stuff. He understood it and he loved the idea of it. And we were on the same page. Mm. You know, he was supporting me and he was, you know, encouraging me. And I taught him about lazy investing and how to create like a lazy portfolio. And we we both just kind of taught each other a lot of things. Right. So what, so you got, you became debt free and you still at this point have the salary that you have. So how are you mm-hmm. reaching your financial independence goals? What does that look like? What does that investing look like for you? You said lazy investing. So index yes. funds. Yes. We took advantage of the Vanguard total stock market index fund. Uh, and instead of doing the, the, just the index fund, just the index fund and the bonds, we just put everything in, in, in index funds. We didn't even do the bonds because I'm like, you know, 28, 30 years old, like we, we can take the risk right now. And I had just read, um, JL, uh, JL Collins book. uh, Yes. Mm -hmm. I had just read that. And so I was like, you know what, doing the, the, the least what could get us the most. And when I reviewed his finances after we got married and I realized that the management company that he had managing his portfolio was ripping him off. He called, I said, Tell them you you want to give me permission to talk to them. He gave them he gave them permission, and I went off. <laughs> right. I was like, my fourteen year old sister could get him a better return. I was like, what are you guys doing? You are charging all of these fees, and you're not getting him a great return. So we ended up getting him out of that out of that, and I put all of our money into um, a lazy portfolio setup. So pretty much all index funds. Right. And that's how we've been. That's how we've been investing. Mm-hmm. So primarily you um, take a, advantage of any 401k like uh, or tax advantage investing, and then you're pouring a lot of money into index investing. Yes, that's so correct. How, and uh, he yeah. takes like, he, you know, has like $25,000 that he'll just, u- he'll use for value investing because he likes to do the whole Warren Buffett, I'm going to pick my stocks by uh-huh. analyzing this company's financial spreadsheet. You know, he does mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and I'm like, that's fine. You know, you could, you could do that, but we're not about to, to pick every single stock we invest in. No, we're just going to put it in an index fund and let it grow. Right. So how far are you now along towards your um, ultimate financial independence goal? Like, what does that look like for you? uh, And Uh how far are you from that? So like I told you, when you asked me before, if we were anywhere, if we were close to firing, we could right now fire. We can do the bare bones lean fire if we want it and then use the geo arbitrage to, you know, offset living costs. You know, we can move to a place where like Vietnam or Thailand or something and take advantage of the low cost of living and maybe just work part time and make it work because our net worth is a little over a quarter of a million now. We could do that, but we don't want to do that because I still have goal, like you know, goals that I want to achieve. I want to grow a blog. I want to work in human resources. So I'm, I'm like at this place where I want to be like an entrepreneur and I want to work in corporate. It's weird. It's a weird yeah. dynamic. I'm just an unconventional person <laughs> where I want like the best of both worlds right now. 
And for us, I don't think we're going to really retire, retire until around 40, 45. And even then, we would just be pursuing entrepreneurial endeavors. So yeah. it wouldn't be like we wouldn't be doing anything. We, yeah. would, we would just be pursuing things that that we were passionate about. Right. Which is the whole goal. Right. So I speak, I spoke in actually, um, you know, I speak to a lot of people who are on this journey and some of it is like, I'm literally as soon as I can not working Mm -hmm. and I'm traveling and doing other things. Some people are just like, I, even if when I reach my financial independence goals, I'm still going to probably actively work. And cause Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing that thing. And so it's like totally fine. I mean, Mm -hmm. you pick whatever works for you. So you mentioned you're in Croatia now. So so what made you leave the Afghanistan position? Was it like to just the, your contract was up? And what are you doing now in Croatia? So, you know, obviously it's a war zone. It takes a toll on you. And it was getting pretty heated over there too around the time that I left. But there were other factors that played a role in why I left. I wanted a career change. I wanted, for some reason, human resources was really intriguing to me. And I think it was because... Um, there was a, I don't want to, I don't want to be rude, but <laughs> the, the human resources issues that came up while I was working over in Afghanistan actually, actually fueled my passion for, for it, I guess you could say. And Where I wanted want to change my change career that. path. And so I'm like, okay, well, what should I do to become competitive enough to get a job? And I thought the best way to do that was to get an MBA, uh, to get an MBA. And so I didn't want to go back to the States and get that because I don't know if you know, but MBAs in the States, especially AACSB accredited ones are anywhere from 80000 to $110,000 for the, for the program. Right. So I started looking up international programs and the truth is I, I, I came across one, a uh, couple of great ones for Spain. Now I love Spain. It's my favorite country. I speak the language. I could have gone to Spain, you know? But I was, I said to myself, Kira, that's too easy. That's too mm-hmm. easy. I was like, that's not unconventional enough. <laughs> right? uh-huh. I came across um, the program, Zagreb School of Economics and Management had a pro, uh, MBA program in human resource management. And it was $12,000, $12,000 for an AACSB accredited program. I was like, wait a second. So you mean to tell me because of geography, this place, this and it's, so you're telling me it's like worth the same or it's accredited just like something a yeah. MBA in the states? Yeah, like for example, Harvard uh, uh, Business School, Wharton School of Business. These are these are schools that are accredited by AACSB. These are programs that are that are accredited by that institution. So it's the same accrediting institution accrediting this small program, yet the price tag is drastically different. And I, I, I was, it was a no brainer for me, to be honest with you. It was a no brainer because the cost of also cheaper. Yeah. So that's what you're doing right now. That's where I'm at right now. I'm here um, in Zagreb um, working on my MBA and working on the blog and that's it. I'm not, I'm not actually uh, working right now. I'm using this. This is my year off. Like I I, I have this thing where I want to like retire every other year to uh, mark uh, things off my bucket list. And this is my year off if you. Mm. And I love that concept. Let's talk a little bit about that. Right. Cause it's like lifestyle design. Right. And you're like literally choosing the -hmm. life you want to live and you're not waiting even with this like financial independence goal that some people have. Because that can be a little far out, right? Five, 10, 15, 20 years, depending on 
yeah, access to income. But this concept, because I interviewed um, someone who talked about uh, mini retirements, Carl Seedman, I forgot his episode number, but this idea of every other year, right? How does one do that? Is that mostly going to be done for like people who have this flexibility like you that are international or? Yes. So, yeah. And I, and I write about that. I talk about the fact that if you have a job that's contractual, one that you love, like one that will provide you with your most uh, basic needs like housing and things you can, you could technically retire every every other year. Because think about how much money you save when you don't have to pay for a car, you don't have to pay rent, you don't have to pay for food. All of those things could go directly into savings. You could save pretty much 70 to 80%. I was saving 93%, not saving, but I was putting 93% of my income from Afghanistan towards paying off my student loan debt. And that's why I paid it off in five months. So when you, when you have jobs that are contractual that offer all of these perks, you could take the savings, uh, you can take your savings rate up and end up banking all of this money and using that money to then fund a year or even just six months, whatever you want it to be doing whatever it is is on your bucket list. You don't have to wait until you're 50 or 60 years old to start scratching things off that bucket list. You can do it now, especially if you have no real clear direction on, you know, the the career you want to go into. And so it, it just, people, I think, are not thinking about these opportunities that way. They're thinking that if they take these opportunities, it's leading them away from whatever it is they think they should be doing, but then they have no clear idea of what they should be doing anyway. So like, what do you have to lose? You don't even know what you want to do. Yeah, no, and you have to be creative. That's the thing too, because what happens is that that sort of thing is investing in yourself, right? Like you're you're literally investing in yourself. You're becoming hopefully a happier human, someone that's discovering their talents and their gifts and developing that, right? And with that, like I would say you are your biggest asset. And so taking time off or or pausing that working is not necessarily, maybe it looks like a loss of income or a loss towards your financial goals, but that like, look how many things are unfolding for you. I always say this, I feel like the same thing for me, 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 you know, pursuing what I'm doing full-time now is that that next level or next step, like this Mm -hmm. can get you there um, because you're learning so much more, you're developing your skill set. So you have to also just be willing to take risks right? Calculated risk. Like you don't have to like go always all out and like now like (laughs) burn the bridges behind you. I like have a lifeboat kind of waiting for you in case anything happens. But um, I think um, it's just such an inspiring story. So, okay. Um, I just, I think this would be so helpful and inspiring for people to. I hope it will be because there's so many people who don't know about these opportunities or they just don't even think about it, you know? And that's why I really wanted to come on and share this stuff with you and your audience, because if I had a dollar for how many people say, like, oh, how did you get into that? Or how did you start working on a cruise ship? How did you teach English in this place? You know, they didn't even know it was possible. And so I just I want us to know that there are other options when we're stuck. Go do something else, you know, until right. you figure it out. You know, self-awareness comes with just life experiences. You know, you'll eventually figure out what you're calling it, but you got to experience enough of life to figure out what that is. Yeah. You got to take steps forward. Like there's so many people standing and standing still 
it's the comfort zone. It's what you know. It's what everyone probably, maybe your family has done before. It's just safe. And it's a lot of messaging. You know, it's hard to break free sometimes unless you hear these stories, unless you see, which is why I love like talking to people who do extreme things sometimes where it's just like, maybe that's not what you do. It's not your life. But just, you know, now that that is actually a thing. Mm-hmm. It helps expand your mind to what possible things you can do that you never thought you could do. Um, exactly. So Kiara, please let everyone know where they can find out more about you, your blog and all the things. So my blog is missunconventional.com and you can definitely go there. I just launched it on September 3rd. So there are only maybe six articles. And I sent, and I'm, I'm right now on a posting schedule of two articles per month because I'm just doing it part time. But you can also find me on Instagram at Mrs. Unconventional mm-hmm. and um, at, on Twitter at Miss Unconvention. So that's right. where I am. If anyone wants to reach out to me, ask me any questions. Oh, I'm sure you'll get hit. You're going to be getting hit up with, okay, I need to, I need. <laughs> Some more behind the scenes, but so that would be so cool, right? <laughs> I'm gonna have your um, so your Twitter and your uh, Instagram and blog, all the, all that stuff in the episode show notes. But thank you so much again, and thank you. It's th- like you said, it's 3 a.m. right now. The time of this recording, oh, it's like yeah, 3:45. That's amazing. 3:45. Wow. So thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time and you reaching out. Like I said, you need to start a business on out- email outreach. <laughs> Definitely. I think I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. See if it's anybody excellent. cares about the topic first. <laughs> uh, yeah. It could get you a look at the opportunities you've been able to have because of that. So, all right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, Hey, journeyers. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and that conversation. I think really like, again, I love bringing on stories like this where it's like just a real person with like a real life testimony to how just changing the way she thought and looking at things that maybe someone else would think is impossible or not for them and saying, what if, right? Um, What if I did try? You know, what if I did think that this person that looks like they have more than I have, what if I thought I can do that too? And what does that look like? How can I make these small steps? And I'm encouraging every single one of you, you listening right now, think about how you can start making changes in your life so that you can really fully step into the, the who you are, who you're meant to be, the life you're supposed to be living. And that's not to say you should take for granted where you currently are now. Every step that you've made, even if you thought they were mistakes, even if you're in situations you don't like, in a job you don't like, you're not at the income you feel like you should be earning and things are just out of control for you or who knows, right? It's the holiday weekend too or season. So that kind of brings up a lot of stuff for people. But just know that everything that's ever happened to you has led you to this point, listening to this podcast, hearing my voice, hearing these interviews, hearing what you heard just now with Kiara and it's for a reason. Um, and so I'm rooting for you. I know you can do this and I'm happy to have you on the journey. So again, episode show notes can be found at journeytolaunch.com slash episode 131. And then make sure you're following me on social media at journey to launch. Don't forget if you're listening to this in Apple podcast, so it's on your iPhone, it's the purple app on your phone, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode and that you leave a review. I read every single one. Will you do that for me? Have that be your gift to me for the holiday season. (laughs) Um, Leave a review or just share with me on social media just how the podcast has helped you um, just in general. That always is just really motivational for me. So 
Hope you are enjoying your week. And yes, I'll be back actually with an episode next week, which actually falls on Christmas. <laughs> but um, it will be um, a solo episode. So make sure you're tuned in for that. And until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.